This is the Crescent Project, bringing you powerful teaching, testimony, and truth about God's miraculous movement in the Muslim world and how we as Christians can join Him in His kingdom work. I'm Matt Bonner, and I serve as the Communications Director for Crescent Project, a national Christian ministry focused on equipping the church to share the gospel with Muslims. You can find us online at crescentproject.org. Send us your feedback or questions to be answered on the program via email to radio at crescentproject.org. Welcome to Crescent Project Radio. Today we're excited to have on the show with us two representatives from Global Hope, a Muslim missions organization focused on advancing the worship of Jesus among Muslims, and more specifically, sharing God's love and liberty with Muslim women, many of whom have never had access to, to the message of God's love. I have with me today Tess, the Director of Women's Advocacy, and Heather Mercer, who is the founder and president of Global Hope. So Tess and Heather, welcome to the program. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks very much. Well, we're grateful to have you guys on. Just want to share a little bit about you guys before we start so the audience has, has a sense of your background and experience and where you're coming from. Heather Mercer has served among Muslims since 1998. And in 2001, while serving in Afghanistan, Heather and seven of her teammates were captured by the Taliban for sharing the gospel in the strict Islamic State. And then they were tried for a capital crime and actually miraculously released after 105 days of captivity through the prayers of the saints and the bravery of the U.S. Special Forces. So you guys may remember hearing about that story. But uh, her story can be read in the books uh, Prisoners of Hope and Kabul 24, or actually seen in the documentary Kabul 24. So over the last 10 years, Heather has continued to serve in Iraq and Afghanistan, sharing God's love with Muslims and ministering to women in crisis through various community-based educational and professional training programs. Since 2003, Heather's attention has been drawn specifically to the Kurdish region of Iraq, where she has launched several initiatives focused on loving and serving Muslims and introducing them to Jesus Christ. The Freedom Center, a holistic outreach-based community center, was completed in 2014 and will be used to support those suffering in the current crisis with ISIS. Tess works with directly with the Kurdistan Regional Government and the United Nations Sexual and Gender-Based Violence Working Group to create and implement programs that will bring positive change for women and children throughout the Middle East. She also works to raise awareness in the U.S. on the issues women and children are facing in the patriarchal, honor-based societies. And she talks about how the growth of Muslim peoples in the United States has brought these issues to our doorstep. So prior to Global Hope, Tess worked for a nonprofit organization as the Director of Women's Training, where she created and managed a seminar program called Beyond the Veil. The program is used to, um, across the United States, actually, to train Americans on understanding Islam, specifically as it deals and relates to women. So you both just returned from a trip to Iraq, and I know it was a harrowing adventure based on what you guys have shared with me so far, and we want to hear about that today for sure. But I want to get into a little bit a broader picture of Global Hope first so people understand who Global Hope is and I want to understand your work on behalf of women around the world, uh, especially Muslim women. So, so let's start there. Um, Heather, talk to us about Global Hope and, and why it exists. Sure, sure. You know, the vision of Global Hope was really born out of uh, my early days in ministry serving in Afghanistan and recognizing that in the mid to late 90s particularly, there was only one Christian worker serving among every one million Muslims around the world. And I remember hearing that reality and thinking, you know, there is a problem there. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many Muslims that just like you and me and um, those that are listening to the program, 
They want to know that there's a God who loves them and cares for them and has a plan for their life, and that there is there is a way to freedom from their sin and their shame. And so just recognizing that there weren't enough people focusing on that part of the world, uh, the vision of Global Hope was born to really mobilize um, God's people to focus specifically on reaching Muslims with the love of Christ. And, and more specifically, um, to reach women. And, you know, the, the reality is that in the Muslim world today, uh, Muslim women are very isolated, uh, for the most part. And they have very little access to the message of God's love and the message of the freedom He can offer them. So, um, so that's really our passion is to extend God's love and liberty to those women uh, and to meet them in their places of greatest need, which uh, for many of these women um, is as victims of gender-based violence. So, mm-hmm. so we focus on finding them there and, and helping them uh, get to that next place in their life. Mm, that is fantastic. Wow, what a, what a vision and what a, what a challenge, too, my goodness. Well, what's the scope of your efforts in Iraq there? I mean, what, what all does that work entail? Yeah, you know, there, that work's been going on now for almost 12 years, and it is really an honor and a privilege to get to serve and live among the people of Iraq. Um, we work specifically uh, among the Kurds in the northern region of the country, a beautiful and hospitable uh, and gracious people. And um, we started there really with uh, the establishing of a community center that, um, again, met the people where they were at. And right after the fall of uh, Saddam's regime, you know, the Kurds, they're visionary people, and they had a vision um, to see their region become uh, real players and significant members within the global community. So they started to rebuild their region. They were focusing on education and professional development. And so uh, we saw a need there and said, okay, well, let's, let's create a place that we can address some of those needs and desires and dreams uh, that the Kurds have um, and, and find ways to build relationships and engage in spiritual conversations with them. So for the Freedom Center, I, I kind of call it a YMCA on steroids. <laughs> um, you know, it's focusing on really a holistic approach to community development and the empowerment of, of locals uh, mm. to fulfill their dreams. Um, and then in this recent crisis, we've really begun to engage in a significant way um, with the refugees and the IDPs, uh, which is internally displaced people, so that the Iraqis uh, the, the Iraqi citizens who've themselves been displaced. Mm-hmm. So working with them and then women um, who, in even more extreme cases, have uh, become victims uh, in this crisis. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That is, that's powerful stuff. I, I love how you describe the Freedom Center and, and the, the holistic approach. And I can only imagine how it's being received there. I mean, uh, Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, I, I can imagine that they're just excited to have this there. I mean, what 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 have the what's their response been? The Kurds. Yeah, you know, we couldn't we couldn't really have done this without them. We found tremendous favor and just support from the local and regional government. Um, 
and and they've been very excited about it. We are a stone's throw from over 5,000 college students, mm. and this is the place in town to go. Uh, there are no other centers like this in our area, and and so it really is a it's a magnet for um, social disrelationships for. Um, activities for education, for professional training, for places for kids. So they have just received it, you know, very, very well and, and helped make it a reality. Mm, that is awesome. That's so exciting. It's such a, a glimmer of hope in, in a place that's such uh, with such darkness going on. Well, Tess, talk to us about some of the some of the women's advocacy then that, that I know that you oversee there. Yes, we are. We're excited to be rolling out a, a new women's advocacy program. Um, our, our program is centered around patriarchal honor-based societies, so in other words, Muslim societies. And what our goal is, is to address the human rights violations such as gender disparity um, in its most extreme cases, honor violence, honor killings, forced marriages, child brides, mm. FGM, which is otherwise known as female genital mutilation, mm-hmm. and then sex trafficking, which has become a growing trend in Syria and Iraq, as ISIS has been abducting girls and using them as rewards to their fighters and to their supporters. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to is essentially to address these needs and help rescue these women so that we can help restore them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So needed. Wow. That is fantastic. Now, Heather, what was the talk to us about the purpose then of this most recent trip to get, that you guys took to Iraq recently within the last uh, mm-hmm. few weeks? It was, I guess. Sure, sure. Yeah. So you know when the, the ISIS crisis broke out, and I and I should say it's you know there's uh, other contributors in this in this uh, war going on in Iraq as well, not just ISIS. But when this situation really uh, got heated in August. We knew that there was going to be a huge need among those fleeing the violence. And so this trip was really to go back and assess in our area what are those needs, who are the people that um, are coming to the north, and, and how can we best serve them. And so, um, you know, we were amazed to find that just in our particular region of the country where we're working, there were over 2,000 uh, refugee and IEP families that had uh, migrated to our area, and we're basically settling in abandoned buildings and um, unfinished uh, buildings, uh, buildings that were being repurposed, um, and then moving into tent cities uh, and mm. areas where those were available. So, so the need was absolutely uh, huge and in some ways uh, overwhelming. But we found that there were very tangible ways that we could begin to um, engage and support the refugees and the rebuilding of their lives. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I can I can imagine how overwhelming it must have been just to be there. And I, mm-hmm. I just I have and I have to just, just kind of pause here for a moment is just, just ask you guys. You know, most people cannot imagine going into the heart of the lion's den like that. I mean. And so before we go any further, I just I want to ask you, maybe maybe Tess, you can comment on this. Talk to us about the kind of courage it takes to do this kind of trip. I mean, how did you muster the courage to go right into the lion's den like that? Yeah. Well, you know, I want to start by saying I, did, I didn't jump into this with my eyes closed. Uh, I've been to the Middle East before, and I spent three years working on a training program on understanding Islam and 
And you, you can't effectively work in a Muslim world or context if you don't understand Islam. But, mm-hmm. uh, yes, the risk is certainly real and tangible. You have to know the reality that, that things can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And you know, this was an educated risk since we're going into northern Iraq, or, yeah, northern Iraq, Kurdistan region. Mm-hmm. We weren't going into Syria or other areas of Iraq. Uh, but the risk is still real. Um, I think an important factor is believing in the need and wanting to do anything that you can do to help make a difference. But most importantly, you have to come to a place with God that, that we're willing to say and mean, I will go anywhere, I will do anything, I will give everything to your purpose. Mm. And, and knowing that it might come with a price, you have to be willing to accept that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to uh, to do that, you have to believe you are called to this work, and you have to believe that the cause is worth the risk, and you have to have faith that God is with you no matter what happens. Wow. Um, and, and, and for me, I think the most one of the most important things is, you know, Jesus tells us to go and tell the nations. He doesn't say, go tell the nations if it's safe. Yeah. We've all read the Bible, right? Nowhere does it say that Jesus says, go and tell the nations if it's safe. We're to follow Christ's example, and he certainly didn't live a safe life. Him and his disciples were threatened time and time again. And so I think you just really have to believe that, that this is God's call, and this is what he wants from us. Mm, that's awesome. Absolutely. That's powerful yeah. stuff. I so appreciate that. Mm-hmm. What about, how did you get it past your families? I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing for you guys to, 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 to buy into this, to, to feel the call, to be educated, to know what you're doing, and to calculate the risk. But then what about your families? I mean, how did, how did you get it? Now, I know, Heather, you've been over there for a while. But I know Tess, though, I mean, I, this was a little bit, this recent trip, I know, was something a little bit more on a different level. So how, how did you get it past your, your families? Yeah, well, I, I got married four years ago. And uh, my husband knew prior to us getting married that this was my passion and my work mm-hmm. and that I was called to do this. So prior to, uh, to us getting married, he promised, that he would support my work mm-hmm. to the end. And in fact, sometimes I think he regrets making that promise now. <laughs> uh, and it's difficult for him sometimes when he thinks that I might be in danger, but he knows it's my call, and ultimately we trust in, in God, and that he knows that. Sure, sure, absolutely. Right. Yeah, and you know, Matt, I think for some of maybe the, the young people who are listening and even considering God's call on their lives, this is a this is a really big issue, you know, because the scripture says we're to honor our mother and our father. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you feel like your family doesn't support um, a decision that may, in, a, in the world's eyes, seem foolish, you wonder, well, is that honoring? And you know, I remember in my early days of wrestling through some of this and picking up the phone and telling my parents I was moving to Afghanistan as a you know, a 20-year-old. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, that, that was tough for them to swallow. Yeah. And I realized our parents have a really interesting challenge to navigate because we, as the one that God is stirring, have the opportunity to count the cost. Mm-hmm. But our parents and our families pay the price for costs they never got to count. Mm. And and that's, that's a hard thing. Yeah. And so, you know, I... I took a step of faith and just said, you know, I want to invite my family into this journey with me. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, there's no question that you can't ask. I want you to have as much knowledge and information as you can. And, and even though you still may not agree, 
I want you to feel like you have as much uh, information at your disposal and that you feel like you're a part of this, this process. Mm. And, and I think that really helped them. Um, and then as time went on, you know, they, they came to see, well, it wasn't just a phase. Um, mm-hmm. but it's test that it really was a calling. Sure. And so what, what was really driven by fear early on has now uh, become more of a, a, a place of respect and um, admiration. Mm. Um, but just letting them be a part of the story, I think, really helps a lot. Absolutely. That's wonderful to hear. I appreciate that perspective very much. Okay, so you guys get to Iraq. Take us, kind of take us into your journey. You know, what did you guys experience, you know, when you got there? Yeah, Heather, you want to take that? Uh, sure, sure. And then, Tess, it'd be great for you to uh, give your perspective as well as, as someone who came to see it for the first time. It was, uh, you know, it's not what you expect. A lot of times uh, people think of Iraq and they just think expansive deserts and camels and uh, a big dust bowl. <laughs> and, and really, the area that we're working in is a very fast-growing, economically booming um, region of the Middle East. And so, um, you know, the, the big cities are very urbanized, very crowded, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of some crazy driving. Um, and, uh, you know, people out in the open markets and uh you know moving about on foot through the city and um and then Kurdistan itself is a very beautiful region of the country very mountainous mm. uh so being there in the winter you know you see snow-capped mountain peaks and beautiful green rolling hills um mm. in some ways it reminds me of Arizona without the cactus or New Mexico mm-hmm. um and it, and it's some of the most beautiful sunsets and sunrises that I've ever seen. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, yeah, with what you were saying, Heather, it is absolutely beautiful. It's breathtaking. Um, for somebody who it was their first time to Kurdistan, I have to say that the people were wonderful. were very accepting and, and open. There was one time that we went through uh, a safety check. And one of the Kurdish men saw that I was an American, and he said, he, he had a big smile on his face, and he said, you are very welcome here. And, uh, and that really, he said, America is my friend. Mm. And that really meant a lot, you know, to know uh, that we were in a place where we were accepted and uh, that we could, we could just really love openly on the people. Uh, I will also say it was very cold. It's very cold, um, and there's no heat, mm-hmm. uh, no central heating. Mm. And so we had um, the juggle of trying to figure out different methods of heat. Um, and electricity, the electricity there, um, it, it comes and it goes. So um, that was a very uh, interesting experience with, uh, with that as well. Oh, I can only imagine. Wow, we take so much for granted over here. We do. We. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, man. Wow. So I, now I understand you guys did something. You visited with the UN. That's that's awesome. Wow. Talk to us about this. And I mean, that's that's um, that's a major major thing. So what what did that involve? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, we met with a UN refugee agency. Um, we, we did that to present our plans uh, for what we want to do there in Kurdistan, implementing our programs to bring positive change for women and children throughout throughout Iraq. Um, and we want to do that by addressing the issues of gender-based violence. Mm-hmm. So um, we had an opportunity to go and present to them what we are working on. Um, and we, we felt very um, blessed because immediately following our presentation, we were accepted into the UN's um, sexual and gender-based violence working group. So mm. it, was a, it was a success, yeah. Man, that's excellent. Wow. I'd say just that alone was a big, uh, big achievement for you guys for the trip. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, Heather. Yeah, and one of the things I think is was really encouraging to see is, um, you know, the larger international community cares about this issue. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, that there are uh, other agencies, um, Christian and 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 strictly humanitarian, that that are wanting to see the the freedom of these Muslim women and particularly the freedom of those women who have been, you know, further victimized by by this ISIS situation. Mm-hmm. And so it was very encouraging to see um, the people who were sitting around the table and who were actually engaged on the field in the lives of these women and trying to really establish... Um, programs to, to help them get to a, a place in life outside of violence. And so, you know, we let, we're looking forward to just the opportunity to collaborate um, because this issue is much larger than our organization, of course. It's, it's much bigger than all of us. I mean, we're talking about a global um, gender disparity issue um, that, that needs to be addressed not just in Iraq but all over um, the region where shame and honor-based worldviews are prominent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. It's massive. Absolutely massive. And I guess, if anything, this is just bringing a whole new you know, light to it, you know, shining a light uh, where, where it really needs to be exposed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, we just got just a few minutes left, and I, so I want to uh, ask you one other question, and then we'll come back uh, and, and, and do another segment so we can continue to talk about your experience over there. Um, the other question I wanted to ask is, you know, um, what, what surprised you most about what you guys experienced on this trip? I mean, I know that you guys, I'm sure you had expectations about what you might run into and what you might deal with, but what, what each of you, I guess, take a chance to answer. What, what surprised you most? Sure. Go ahead, Tess. Start? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not even sure where to start. Um, <laughs> I guess there were a lot of surprises while I was there. I know we're short on time. It's okay. Uh, but I, I probably would have to say one of the surprises for me was just the openness. I know I already talked about this, but the openness um, that there is in Kurdistan for Americans. And I knew that going in, but to experience it was it was just a different. Uh, I've been all over Europe. I've not. I haven't necessarily um, had such openness to being American. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was another experience where I was looking at a ring um, there in Kurdistan. And I was handed it to the man to pay for it, and he handed it back to me because he knew I was an American, and he said, so this is a gift for you, this is a gift for America. And I think that when you experience that personally, it, mm. just, it has a completely different effect than just knowing it. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, mm. I mean, the, the hospitality of the people and, and really the, the yeah. friendships you have 
with Westerners and particularly Americans, I think is very surprising to most people mm-hmm. because that's not what we hear on prime time. No. Mm-hmm. And when we realize that um, that our average Muslim neighbor, or in this case, you know, the the average Muslim in Iraq, they they want to be friends. Mm-hmm. They want to have relationships, and they want to extend their hospitality. And so um, that's always very encouraging and, and surprising um, to most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that's really surprising is uh, just how quickly that region has developed. Mm. Um, there's been so much growth in the last five years. Uh, when I first went in 2003, uh, the capital of the Kurdish region was kind of like a big village. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's, a, it's an international um, hub for the region. And um, it, it's just been amazing how much they've grown and developed and accomplished in a very short amount of time mm. uh, under tremendous opposition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For those who are interested in getting involved or responding to some of the needs and opportunities that are here right now uh, in Iraq, you can go to our Hope for Iraq website at givehopeforiraq.org. And four is actually the number four. That's givehopeforiraq.org. And there you'll find lots of opportunities to engage and, and pray and get involved with what God's doing in Iraq. That's fantastic. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we close with a prayer and then, uh, we'll come back around and, and, and kind of continue on in, in a second segment. Heather, would you mind, uh, closing us in a prayer? Sure. I'd love to. Uh, Jesus, we, we do just bless the nation of Iraq today. We bless that nation and we bless the Kurds, um, and all the people groups of that land. And God, we ask today as we're talking about Iraq and the refugee situation, and these precious women who are suffering uh, under such uh, op- uh, oppression. God, we ask that you would establish peace in the land. God, that you would bring your hope. God, that you would um, give the people of Iraq uh, the knowledge today that there is a bright hope and a great future for them and you. And um, so, Lord, we ask, God, that um, all that has been uh, used to bring about destruction in that land, God, you would turn it and you would bring it about um, for good. And so we trust those people and trust those people in that nation to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm, amen. And once again, this is the Crescent Project, bringing you powerful teaching, testimony, and truth about God's miraculous movement in the Muslim world and how we as Christians can join him in this kingdom work. I'm Matt Bonner, and I serve as the Communications Director for Crescent Project, a national Christian ministry focused on equipping the church to share the gospel with Muslims. We believe we have a hope worth sharing. You can find us online at crescentproject.org. Send us your feedback or questions to be answered on the program via email to radio at crescentproject.org. We hope you join us again next time on The Crescent Project.